Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Vic Lopez. Uh, happy Saturday. I want to go ahead and talk about this uh, Utah Jazz-Minnesota Timberwolves trade, which I think is a classic. We're uh, A team that takes two steps forward and then one step back situation. Um, and when I say that, I'm talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves, who, if you look all over the internet, you know, all over YouTube, if you if you were tuned in on ESPN or NBA TV, whoever's covering the the free agency right now, um, you can kind of see uh, a lot of people are, are are saying that the Utah Jazz completely won the trade. They stole uh, picks, they stole some players, um, and they got rid of a player that clearly they didn't want anymore. Um, so anytime you don't want something and you can give it up. And then you get something back that's that's that doubles what you know. It kind of kind of makes everything a little bit better for you. Um, you win the trade, in my opinion. So I think that this is a case of, like I said, when a team is kind of making good strides, and then they do a specific move that kind of sets them back in a way um, because you you give up the future and then. You decide to bring in a player who is going to improve your interior defense, but you gave up perimeter defense to get him. So what are they going to get in the offseason? What are they going to get? Are they going to focus on... Because they're going to need defenders now on the perimeter. Because if not, if you don't get any defenders this season on your roster, on the perimeter, it's going to be Utah Jazz Part 2, right? They, they put Rudy Gobert in the blender. They switch on him. They, they get isolation plays, they attack Rudy Gobert, floaters, jumpers, because he lives in drop coverage, right? He backs up every time. When the screen comes, uh, when the switch comes, he's playing in drop coverage. He's a drop coverage center. Um, not good when he's trying to switch on these guards. And obviously, it happened every season, every postseason uh, to the Utah Jazz, which is why the Utah Jazz decided to move in a different direction. And obviously also because of the fact that Donovan Mitchell and maybe some other players weren't getting along with Rudy Gobert for whatever for whatever reason. Um, I think that Rudy Gobert was cleaning up the mess for the Utah Jazz uh, players there on defense. Uh, none of them could defend in the perimeter. They were awful defensively, uh, especially Donovan Mitchell. And when the perimeter defense is awful... Um, and your center has to clean up a mess. A center that lives in drop coverage has to clean up a mess against these these players switching and attacking. Um, it, it's it, it was just a disaster, right? It makes Rudy Gobert look worse. Um, I I'm here to defend Rudy Gobert's uh, paint defense, right? His his rim protection, his rebounding, his willingness to get to to give the ball up. Yes, uh, those are all good qualities for Rudy Gobert. But if you're bringing him on a team where you just gave up your perimeter defense, it's Utah Jazz part two. Because Anthony Edwards doesn't play defense. Um, he he has talked about working on that end of the floor, uh, working on his defense. We still have yet to see that, especially from an athlete like Anthony Edwards, and we're not seeing the defense from him. Um, but aside from that, D'Angelo Russell, right? Not a good defender. Shows a little bit of effort, um, but not a good defender. Um, then you have Carl Anthony Towns, plays the power forward position uh, or center if they go small, small. Um, and again, not not a defender. 
So you have three non-defending perimeter players slash forward. Um, and then you're bringing in Rudy Gobert to clean up the mess. So I don't know. You know, they they give up Kessler, Walker Kessler, right? Who, if you haven't seen him, he is going to be a rookie this season. He played for Auburn. He was Jabari Smith Jr.'s teammate. Um, I actually loved Walker Kessler. And without comparing uh, players, I do want to say that it's ironic that a center that lives in drop coverage and has some skills still has some untapped potential. Uh, Walker Kessler is, is, is a, like I said, he's going to be a rookie this season. So he has a good little ceiling on him. If he can unlock the jumper, he can be a solid, solid NBA player. Um, I think he has all-star potential if he, if he, if he really gets the tools right, um, because he positions well, uh, on defense. Uh, he has good feet. He uses his length and versatility. He, he stretches out, right? He doesn't overly jump and get in foul trouble. He's very, he's very stationary. He likes to, to, to use his size and length to his advantage. Um, he's very elite in that sense. I think he, he, he's, he's already ahead of the game in that sense. So a center that lives in drop coverage, lanky, gets good rebounds. Uh, he can actually score in the post, I think, better than Rudy Gobert. Um, so you're giving up that, right? And he's closer to your core because he's young. Uh, you're bringing Rudy Gobert, who I think is 30 years old. I'm not sure exactly the age on Rudy, but he's older than Walker Kessler, and they're similar player types. So you're going to give up four future picks, plus Walker Kessler, plus Malik Beasley, and uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who had, I think, the highest defensive rating on the Minnesota Timberwolves last season. Um, he was he was a really good defender for them. Um, and then, obviously, Patrick Beverly as well. Um, but like I said, they're giving up they're giving up defenders, they're giving up above average three-point shooting, uh, they're giving up the future with the picks they gave up, and obviously they're giving up the future with Walker Kessler. Um, and so I don't know what, what that means, right? Utah just, I think Utah stole the deal because they, were, they didn't want Rudy anymore, and now they're getting back a Patrick Beverly who, who knows? I don't know if he stays on that roster. Um, they're going to get obviously Jared Vanderbilt. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but Walker Kessler is the important one to me. I think that, um, they found the Rudy Gobert replacement in him. Um, and he's going to show some, some good strides in my opinion this season. I think he's going to, he's going to show, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves that they made a mistake, uh, in trading him away, uh, especially for a player that does similar things to him. Um, now, Obviously, that's going to clear up a ton of cap space for the Utah Jazz. Uh, Rudy Gobert makes a ton of money, which is another problem with this trade when you're talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're, they're now paying insane amounts of money for Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Um, we can get the numbers in a sec, but um, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to pay Anthony Edwards eventually, right? So, so these are your three max money guys. Um, what are you putting around them, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with this team. I think they're going to take a step backwards, um, as, as crazy as that sounds. Because yes, you add a, a, a defensive player of the year, an all-defensive uh, team center, uh, all-star center, uh, elite shot-blocking center. But I don't like the fit. 
I don't like the fit. He clogs the paint. He doesn't space the floor. Defenses don't have to guard him. Uh, when you're on defense, you're kind of playing four on five because he, if he's ever for any reason just standing out on the perimeter, no one's out there for him, right? So he's got to be in the paint. So if he's in the paint, uh, that means Carl Anthony's Towns' shot attempts, jumpers are going to go up. They're going to go way up because now... He's gonna. He's just gonna say, okay, well, we have someone down there grabbing boards. He's at Carl Anthony Towns is an elite shooter, so he's just gonna be probably chucking more shots, and Anthony Edwards will probably be chucking more shots. Uh, so I don't know. I it's gonna be such a weird combination of players, and I think that by them giving up all of this for Rudy Gobert, I think it's a mistake, and I give the trade a C. Okay, and I see a lot of trade. Uh, grades on NBA.com and, and, and NBC and CBS. And basically, on average, you'll see that the team, the trade grade was a D, right? D for David. Um, so, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's honestly understandable because like I said, they gave up a ton to, 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 to basically uh, limit themselves cap wise and uh, they they kind of killed their perimeter defense. And so now they're going to be more of a jump shooting team because Rudy Gobert is going to be parked in the paint. So who knows? You know, I don't... I think this is going to be a big mistake. I think it's a disaster trade for the, for the Timberwolves. I think they could have stayed put. There was no pressure to make a trade. Um, I think they were on the, on the way up. Um, do they need rim protection? Yes. But... Do they do they need it so badly that it's a max player rim protector? No. Now I know that the options aren't really out there. Um, you know when you're looking at uh, SpotTrack.com where you can really track the NBA free agents. But if you are on SpotTrack, I recommend that you also Google um, an updated tab for the player because SpotTrack isn't isn't really updating them properly. Um, love SpotTrack, but obviously it's just. It's not. I don't think that it's a live update feed right away, because it's still showing that Javale McGee is available, even though he already signed a contract with uh, the Dallas Mavericks, which is an awesome signing. Um, so I do want to say, obviously, Mo, uh, Mo Bamba, right? He goes back to the Magic, so that centers off the table. I think he would have been awesome for the Timberwolves. Mitchell Robinson, he signs back with the Knicks, which, by the way, I read a funny, uh, I read a funny stat about uh, Mitchell Robinson, and it said that he's the first New York Knicks player that was drafted in the last 28 years to get a second contract with the Knicks. <laughs> but anyways, um, so Yusuf Nurkic, I think he, yeah, he resigned with the uh, with the Portland Trail Blazers. Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, he already. He's taken. He he signed a contract as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Dwayne Dedman also. Uh, he's back with Miami. You know, he he signed back with them. So there's just yeah, there's not a lot out there, and so it's easy for me to say, oh well, you know, just go get a different center. Don't overpay Rudy Gobert. I get it. I get it. There's just there's just really nothing out there. Uh, I'm guessing they tried to make a trade package for DeAndre Ayton which would have made way more sense for this team because of the the age, obviously. Um, but I guess Phoenix is probably asking for a big, big price, more than uh, than Patrick Beverly and, and, and uh, you know, Walker Kessler and Malik Beasley and some picks. You know, I, although I do think the picks are still enticing, I think that the Phoenix Suns want more. 
Um, especially when you're linked to Kevin Durant, they're probably going to try to make a deal that way. Um, because any team with KD, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker uh, is obviously a contender, in my opinion. Uh, especially if you're going to lose DeAndre Ayton. You're bringing, back Ke- you're bringing in Kevin Durant, potentially. So I understand. The, the, Timber- the Timberwolves obviously made the move for Rudy Gobert because I guess when you're looking out here, there's not a lot of bigs out there that, that protect the rim. Um, you know, and, and that are available, right? Um, so I understand, but now I want to get into, in my opinion, and I think if you're looking around right now at some of the biggest moves so far, I think the best move that's been made right now, uh, is for a team that was just in the NBA finals. And that's the Boston Celtics, a team that couldn't get good contribution, good uh, consistent contribution from a third or fourth player out there on the court. Um, you know, Tatum did struggle in the finals. He did. He had good moments in the playoffs, had great moments in the regular season, um, you know, but I think that this move for Brogdon, I don't know what how they're going to have that lineup. Is Marcus Smart going to be out there with Malcolm Brogdon? You know, that two that double guard backcourt, and then you have the length and versatility with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You know, I think you can start those two guys because Brogdon's good off the ball. So let me let me give you a nice little explanation of the type of player that the Celtics just acquired with Brogdon, right? So this is a guy that averages 19.6 assists, five rebounds. We know that. But this is a guy that he knocks down shots. He makes his free throws. His three-point percentage took a dip this season. I think he's shooting like 31% from three. He shot that last season, which is below league average. But um, aside from from that, right, he's a better shooter than it looks on the stats. Um, He was a 50-40-90 player at one point with the the, uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Um, He's a clutch player. He attacks the basket. He's a good finisher. He makes his free throws, like I said. He he's just I think he's a big time player. And he is that guy that had he been on those Celtics during those final minutes, I think they win that finals. I think that they it it could have pushed him over the top. Now you might say, eh, you know, he's uh he played for Indiana, had some flashes, uh he gets hurt, you know, he doesn't really stay healthy, but you know, this is a team he's going to now where he's not going to be the the main focus of the offense, right? He can kind of do the 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 important things with a, in a limited role, right? Like kind of like what happened with Andrew Wiggins, number 1 overall pick, number 1 overall pick talent, skill set, um was on bad teams, showed flashes but then sometimes uninterested and some people said he didn't love basketball. You put him in that third or fourth option role and look what happens. He takes off. So Malcolm Brogdon could see the same type of um, success with the Celtics. Now, another reason I want to say that this was a big trade for the Celtics is because of what they gave up to get Brogdon, right? If you want to tell me, oh, they gave up Marcus Smart and they gave up uh, Derek White and 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 they gave up, uh, I don't know, you know, extra picks or whatever it is. Um, no, that wasn't the case. They gave up players that weren't even really in their rotation. 
Daniel Tice was a rotational player for them. But aside from Daniel Tice, they gave up Aaron Neesmith, who, you know, he's not really someone that was in their heavy rotations. Nick Stauskas, he was in the G League, got called up to the Celtics. Not really a big rotational player. Uh, Jawan Morgan, and then, you know, the 2023 first round pick, which is arguably probably the the more valuable part of this package. Uh, unless you value Aaron Neesmith, which, you know, we don't know what, what he's going to become. Um, but like I said, so they give up non-rotational players for them um, in exchange for a player that's going to soak up a lot of minutes and be a big key piece, right? Someone that averaged 19 points, six assists, five rebounds. You're getting him in exchange for players you didn't even have in your rotation. That's a W move, okay? That's, that's a... That, I think that helps the Celtics tremendously, okay? Um, the lineup thing, I don't know. We'll see that when the, when the season starts. But I'm telling you right now, Malcolm Brogdon is a big-time player. He's going to probably be a fan favorite if he stays healthy. And I say that because you're adding another guard, 6'5", 220, right? 6'5", 220 pounds, just a, an attacker, smart player, like I said, clutch, hits big shots. If you really want to see some prime Malcolm Brogdon, watch his last season with the Milwaukee Bucks. He was awesome. He was so good. I was sad to see him go. Um, it was a mistake in my opinion, but obviously down the line, the Bucks won the championship. You know, they, they, they kind of fixed the gaps and all that, but Malcolm Brogdon was awesome for Milwaukee and he was really good for the Pacers. Um, you know, so we'll see. You, you, you put that to a championship team, to a championship contending team, and I think you found something. I think, I think they, they struck some, they, have, they found lightning in a bottle here. But that's going to do it for this Saturday morning episode. I'm your host, Vic Lopez. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. Thank you to everybody that downloaded episode two. Thank you to everybody that was downloading episode one, all the listeners. Shout out to all you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it all. Um, eventually, I will have an email set up uh, where I would like uh, you guys to send me some questions. Um, you know, it gets me a, a chance to engage with whoever it is listening to this. Um, and then I'll be able to, you know, we'll have like a nice little back and forth. Uh, so I will create an email soon. Uh, I'll drop it in the next episode. But thank you again. Have a great weekend. And I'll see you on the next one.